Welcome to the Jacks Rangers Show, a New England Free Jacks fan podcast. And now, Rangers, here's your host, Phil Harris. Huzzah, Rangers. This is Phil Harris here again at the Jacks Rangers Show, coming to you from the Granite Outpost in beautiful Manchester, New Hampshire. Just got back from vacation up in Maine. It was wonderful. Went up to Stephen King land, had a blast up there. Just got back. It is the 12th of September. It's a beautiful day to be alive and with you here and a Free Jacks fan. It's always good to be a Free Jacks fan. We've got an amazing show here for you for episode 16. We've got a brand new head coach. We've got a brand new full-time assistant coach that will be joining on this episode. And of course, we'll have Tom Kindly first, the performance director of the Free Jacks, breaking down the new hires. So we'll just jump right into it in terms of interviews. We'll have Tom Kindly first, the performance director of the Free Jacks, and then we'll have assistant coach Mike Rogers on the podcast here. And then finally, we'll have our new head coach, Scott Matthew, join us. And then I'll wrap everything up. So we'll get right into the theme music here and jump right into the interviews. Welcome back to the Jacks Rangers show. Hit that theme music. Kick that mule, baby. Woo! Huzzah, Rangers. This is Phil Harris again here at the Jacks Rangers show. We've got round three here with Thomas Kindly, who is the performance director of the Free Jacks. We've got Dave McVeigh here as well as the co-host. Uh, Tom, how the hell are you? No, very well, thanks, gents. As we just touched on, I'm in, in sunny California. Um, Going to catch a couple of waves and, and do previous head coach Ryan Martin proud, um, or try to. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, Excellent. while I'm here. Speaking of which, we've got some uh, new hires that we need to go over. Uh, now that our guys um, have been hired for the coaching tent, walk us through the process of how those hires happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, well, so la- last year, probably started back in, in 20, I guess it would have been 2020, uh, where we, we held the, the first um, series of, of interviews and, and that process um, when looking for the head coach that ended up uh, with the appointment of, of Ryan Martin, but we, we kind of had a five-tiered, uh, we, ne- we never advertised, we just went through word of mouth and um, shoulder tapping a few individuals, and uh, we ended up probably preliminarily talking to about 30 uh, candidates, probably, approximately, from, from all, all parts of the world. We had ex-Super Rugby head coaches, we had directors of rugby from we had uh, high school coaches. We, we had a, a real mix of, um, of caliber and experienced coaches. So um, we, be, we began there. We, then we narrowed it down to eight, which we interviewed. And then we narrowed it down to five. And then they went through a process of, you know, putting together uh, a video of them coaching a skill. Um, they had to put, they had, they did a personality test, um, all sorts really, like a, a kind of a tri-tiered model um, towards the end there to, to work out who was going to be the best fit from us. But anyway, uh, we ended up being quite comfortable that, you know, all five of those coaches would have been brilliant regardless of which one they were. So coming into the reappointment process this year um, of a head and assistant coach, um, 
we had a couple of coaches of those five who we, we would have been happy with any one of them. Um, and, and Mike Rogers was one of those coaches. So um, obviously Mike ended up um, being successful in picking up the assistant coaching role. Um, and then there were a few more names that we shoulder tapped uh, this year uh, just to just to explore their profiles. And um, Scott Matthew was one of them. Um, so I'm glad that we we got in touch with Scott because we yeah certainly felt like as soon as we spoke to him that um, he was going to be a really good fit for us. Perfect. And speaking of Scott Matthew, uh, the new head coach, he is a South African known as the Giant Killer. Um, becomes the third head coach in Free Jacks history. What stood out uh, for you with Scott? Why is he the man for the job? Yeah. Um, so he's the, he was the man for the job for us because uh, not only had, had he had a um, obviously quite a successful playing career um, over, he played for Sale, he played for Leeds, he's played for the Sharks, uh, he played for the Southern Kings, I believe. And But more importantly, he had a, a really well-rounded coaching journey um, where he's had to really fight to, to get to where he's got. He um, was a director of rugby of a big boys high school. He was a history teacher. Dave, I'm sure you touched on that with him, but um, we did. Which I offered we, to give him a tour of uh, Boston. I said, anytime he wants, we'll do a Boston history tour. So, brilliant, mate. You need to take me on that too, because I'm I'm really letting down visitors uh, every time I try to do it. Um, <laughs> Happy to have yeah, you. It'd be so, great. Oh, actually, that's something we, we've been looking at doing with the team as well, like getting on a, a bus, a team bus. Maybe you'll be the man for the job with the microphone, Dave. You can. Uh, you can fill us in on everything this oh, next yeah. preseason. So maybe no pressure. That sounds great. Yeah, we'll, I'll, I'll connect with you about it. Sounds good. Um, yeah. So history teaching for five years, director of rugby of a big, big, big boys high school. Uh, which you know, obviously doing that, performing that role, you've got you develop a lot of skills about how to communicate with a a lot of people, how to get the most out of people, different types of people, and then obviously he worked his way up the ranks for the sharks, and then. Um, subsequently ended up being assistant and then he coached at the Grit Quiz where he's been really, really, really successful. And, uh, yeah, I think he saw it when he was announced. I think there were a lot of South Africans that was uh, kind of sad to see him um, head off abroad. But, uh, yeah, we were very lucky on the other hand. So, yeah, that's why we liked him. And, you know, it's a, yeah, just the right profile for us and that really well-rounded, um, modern, young, up-and-coming, still keen to learn, um, light and easy going at the same time but really competitive so yeah we were pumped let's shift gears and talk about mike rogers um a new zealander he becomes the first full-time assistant coach for the free jacks what stood out for you with mike and why is he the man for the job yeah so i guess first and foremost we needed a um a set piece specialist we've never really had a, a set piece specialist and you know, credit to our boys and, and James Willocks for doing a good job this year with a much improved set piece. But, um, you know, we, we felt as though that's an area we really need to, to improve in, um, and, and get really serious about. So obviously Mike is a, a scrum coach um, primarily, but um, obviously a really good set piece coach, line out coach, D coach, contact coach, coach in general. Um, and, and again, um, he he was one of the five that we'd identified that we would have been happy with kind of any one of them um but uh yeah more um more importantly um he uh just is so well-rounded as well he's coached very successfully 
um, through the age groups. He's, he's coaching currently the Waikato women's team, um, the Chiefs. He's coached the Chiefs women's team. And I think a really wide range of experiences that are going to bode really well um, for a successful partnership with, um, with Scott. Yeah, I'm very excited to see both these guys uh, get to the Free Jacks headquarters and, and, you know, work everything out with the roster. Really excited to see what's going to happen with Free Jacks this coming season with those two steering the ship. Um, the MLR draft is in the rearview mirror now. The coaching hires have been made. How is the player recruitment and player retention going at this point? What percentage of the ros- roster has been signed up? Um, yeah, we're probably around um, – Excuse my laptop's having a wee freak out here if you lose me, but um, uh, we're probably around 85% sorted um, with the roster. And um, yeah, we do have that crux of the team, which are, you know, more or less locked in. Obviously, this time of the year, you, you're, you're ironing out some, some wrinkles and contracting and different things like that with players that are returning. But, you know, for the most part, most of that's sorted. Um, and we're, we're about to begin with, um, you know, some announcements with returning yeah, I guess you've got returning, you've got re-signed, um, returning guys on current contracts, um, extensions on contracts, um, guys signing new contracts, and then, um, yeah, guys coming into the program for the first time. So, um, yeah, we've, we've probably, you know, got a, a handful of new additions um, that uh, obviously um, will have the flavour of Scott and Mike um, on them, which will be really exciting as well to just continue to level up the the squad in terms of our professionalism and, and quality. Gotcha. Um, I wanted to ask, and, you know, of course you can shoot me down uh, if you would like uh, with this, but, you know, I know that we, there are guys that were announced previous years that had multi-year contracts. Do you feel confident in naming those guys that they will be back on the roster uh, considering that they had those multi-year contracts and they haven't been approached by other teams? Yeah, um, you know, what, one of the, like, obviously, you sign a, a multi-year contract with a player with hopes of, of them being here for that tenure as well. But obviously, things change at the same time, too. For example, like, if, if guys at, at this stage get contracts at super rugby level or in the premiership, i.e. Um, the Ankenradi, you know, we're not going to hold them back from from that opportunity, those opportunities. And then at the same time, um at the, at the same time, there's still like contractual obligations guys got to meet. So they've got to be in first class physical condition. They've got to be up to um, MLR level competitiveness. Um, and yeah, so I guess both parties have got to up, uphold their end of the bargain. So um, yeah, most of those guys will, will be re- returning, but I'll leave it to um, the marketing crew to, to let you guys know because it's not far away. Oh, I know yeah. it was a, a, week, a week off with my head coach um, announcement date, but uh, we, we'd heard that... Um, South Africa, we've been beginning to get wind of it, so we wanted to be okay. the first to break the break the news, as opposed to people hearing through the grapevine. Yeah, no worries. I was just like, I was wondering, like, what the hell is this announcement? Because we had heard a specific date from TK, and then we were we were yeah. ahead of that. So I was like, what is going on? You know, but yeah, no worries. Um, in terms of re- uh, recruitment, is there certain attributes that you guys are looking for uh, to bring into this team that you can describe to us? Yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, we, we've never been a team, as you guys have, as we've talked about before, that has really valued bringing someone like a superstar in. Um, you know, we, we want guys that are going to um, 
oh, we look at guys' behaviors and efforts in particular. We want guys that are going to have, like, have super high work rate. Like, we, you know, we've got our Joe Johnsons, our Bianca Radis, our Justin Johnsons, guys like that, Josh Larson, who, who die um, with their heart on, on their sleeves. So, like, we, we really, like, value that in our players. Um, so that's the first thing that, that we look for. But also, like, we want guys that are, that are wanting to get better um, in their um, – in their, you know, ability to play the game and, and to get better as people as well and grow and, and learn new skills and um, experience a part of the world. So it's really important for us that they do want to come um, to Boston and that they want to come for the right reasons. Um, and yeah, I think as this journey continues to like I myself and, and our staff are finding out um, more so like, like, you know, I guess it's being reinforced to us what exactly the right fit is. And I think we were pretty close to that with, most of our playing group um, this past year, and it's going to be even better this next year coming. Um, yeah, but I guess at the end of the day too, we, we want to win games, so we want to get the best players we can possibly get. Um, but yeah, I guess if you've got a, a great environment, guys are getting better, they're loving they're loving being there, they're, they're probably going to perform pretty well um, as, as we saw this year. And yeah, still still grounds my gears a little bit that we didn't quite get to that next step, but you know that'll, that'll come in time. All right, Dave, take it away, my friend. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So um, I think uh, that's a good segue, actually, about the next step, because to me, one of the best things about seeing this coach move is the growth, right? Even just, just of having a full-time assistant and two coaches of this caliber, um, that in and of itself, to me, is growth and is movement towards that that next step um and i think that around the league that's probably going to continue i think if we, you're following other teams like the the level is is going to just keep ratcheting up and we have to you know uh do what you're doing to, to keep up with it um you already answered a couple of my questions uh with with some thorough answers earlier the first one was what what which came first mike rogers or the full-time assistant coach job so it sounds like he's been somebody in the in the you know mix for a couple of years now so that's that's fantastic um from a coaching and career standpoint, it looks like MLR is a pretty hot ticket. Um, what, uh, which is what we want as fans, right? Because that means we're getting the best people interested. Um, people are coming in uh, who are really, really high caliber um, and who just like players are on an upward trajectory, you know, not a downward trajectory. Um, it sounds like the process was pretty in-house with all the, the shoulder tapping and word of mouth, but did you through the process see that coming through in terms of interest in the position um, or just just outside interest in general uh, when Ryan Martin departed people you know showing interest in the in that free Jacks head coach position yeah yeah we good question yeah we definitely did um, you know and that was part of the reason that like um, we really didn't want to open it up because we knew once you open it up, you open up a massive can of worms, you know? So um, we felt confident that we could find the right people ourselves without having to go through that process. But, you know, obviously coaches see that, uh, agents rather see that Ryan Martin's going to the Rebels and they're like, hey, I see you guys, do you need a new coach? Here's five candidates. Here's... And some of those people we did interview, like we, we looked at every email and, and just made sure we, do due diligence but um but yeah uh we, we there was definitely the, the caliber of some of the the um applicants was incredible um you know guys who have been directors of rugby at pro 14 level and and coached in super rugby um and just for 
you know, sometimes they aren't the best fit though, because, you know, it's, it's very different um, as you guys have sort of touched on at the moment, although we are developing our professionalism every year and, and striving to be better and, and to grow quickly. Um, you need a really, a really unique skill set. Um, and, you know, if you've worked in an environment where you've got 13 other staff and you're only expected to do A and B, and now you need to do D, E, F, G, H, H, H I, J, K, uh, et cetera, um, you know, it can be it can be difficult. So, yeah, that was definitely something that we had at the front of our mind is, is making sure that these applicants had the skill set to, to do what they need to do to um, execute this, this role well enough. Awesome. Um, uh, last weekend, just a couple of days ago, there were at least half a dozen free jacks playing for the uh, Mystic D1 team out of Boston. Um, I know that you want players to come back both sharp and healthy. You talked about that. They need to be in top physical condition. Um, how do you promote that balance of them, you know, being active in rugby in what's the MLR offseason, but rugby is pretty year round if you know where to go um, and making sure that they come back healthy? yeah no absolutely and i think that's one of the risks that we have as a you know we contract guys for seven months of the year we've got Bodine walker um we've got eric diaga who's playing in the curry cup um we've got guys playing really high level um competitions really physical and there's that risk every time they run out there that you know that you know touch wood that they could get injured or or whatever it may be but you know i guess at, at the same time um you know we can't we can't um mandate what what guys do and uh, particularly if it comes to income and stuff like that and for a lot of, a lot of the guys um, that you've mentioned playing in the arp at the moment it's really good for you know the likes of cole secura that he was having some appearances off the bench this last year he needs more time playing the game so we definitely give guys advice as to you know what we'd like to see them do over the off season and you know for a dougie five um at 30 31 for him it's just about looking after his body and making sure he's good to go for as many uh, future MLR seasons as possible, um, but um, yeah, so it's, yeah, so it's a great question, and I think this year too, when we're moving a facility down to Quincy, um, you know, in an ideal world, this time of the year we would have a high performance unit. You'd have forty players in the gym in the morning doing gym and skills, then out on the field after work. Um, a really conducive model to support guys who who do work, because most of them would through that period, and then you know you start with forty players. Um, and obviously, we, we want to get to a point where we're providing an opportunity for, for female players to develop there as well, not just male players, but just while, while we're on the topic, you know, you start with 40 and then um, by the end of that period, maybe 20 drop out. It's too tough for them. And then you've got uh, potentially five guys that are MLR quality that you didn't have at the previous time of the year. And then, you know, got kids that miss out in the collegiate draft as well. We can say, hey, look, yeah, I know you've missed out there, but how about this moving job and you come to Boston, you play for this team and, you know, we'd like to have players playing for other teams as well, not not just Mystic, but I guess the fact that they're playing in the ARP, it's just a high level of um, quality um, competition that that isn't really, doesn't really exist locally at the moment. Yeah, the, the, the club rugby landscape in Boston in particular, well, New England at large too, is a little unique where you have Mystic as the only real you know, what's division one nationally club that, that are competing at that highest level. So, you know, it is the kind of natural fit for, for those players who are looking to uh, move, you know, who are already at or looking to, to move up into an MLR level. But um, yeah, as a D3, you know, former D3 player and coach, we'd love to, love to have them, bring them on out. Anybody, anybody who wants to, uh, 
you know, to come visit. And I know that you guys have been uh, gracious enough to have players come out to practices and to spend time with all the clubs at all the levels. So, um, you know, it's been great and we look forward to seeing that continue. And I know that there are a lot of players who are happy to hear that there will just continue to be opportunities for them to get out. Um, guys who haven't been tapped yet, you know, and, and can show what they got. I know there's been a lot of uh, comments on social media and stuff. There's clearly an appetite uh, at the very least for seeing more um, young American talent make it into the into the MLR. And I know that those uh, structures are going into place. So very good. Um, that's it for me. Thank you, TK. It's been a lot of fun. I know Phil has some uh, phase three questions for you. Oh, yes. It's it's a fun time. I don't know if the coaches have talked to you, TK, since they've been interviewed on this uh, little show here, but uh, we we had a little fun with them. Um, we always do the one word association with you. Um, but give us your best Boston or American accent. You've been in the country for a couple of years now, so I'm, I'm hoping you've got something for us. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> I always go to I always go to this one because my first experience was um at Dartmouth College, at Dartmouth College, when I came over, so you know you've got the guys going, "Hey, dude, like I literally blacked out last night, man. Like it was just lit, <laughs> like you know, like." So that's the one I go to because mate, my accents are terrible. <laughs> my accents are terrible. I can't do the, the the Boston one to save my life. So hopefully that'll satisfy you there. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's not yeah, bad. That's fine. Most people in Boston can't do a Boston accent either. So true. Yeah. <laughs> The accent is really faded. So even since I've been up here, people, you don't really hear it that much anymore. Um, okay. Um, one word association. You know the drill here. United States of America. 9-11, just because of the other day. Yeah, it was recent. Yeah. Uh, recent yeah. memorial there. Okay. Um, Dallin Stanford. Um, mohawk or whatever that haircut's meant to be. <laughs> Mohawk, if I've ever seen one, but it's very unique, that's for sure. Uh, Rugby United New York. Oh, God. Just like, I just think about, okay, a good, a good, I mean, rival, but that's boring, isn't it? Like, uh, like, I just like to think our organization is tenfold better than theirs. So, like, inferior, let's go with inferior. Love that. Beautiful. Okay. Um, Mike Rogers. Uh, um, pastoral, you know, like pastoral care, Dave, like you give a lot of pastoral care. Yeah. I, I reckon he's a, like a big pastoral guy. So that's great. Yeah. He, he, we talked about that in his interview. You'll hear, um, that came, that came through, uh, it really seems like a, a great guy and a great fit and somebody, any, any organization would want to have for sure. MLR. Yeah, um, oof, innovative and upward trajectory. Okay, Scott Matthew. I like your one, Giant Killer. I reckon we've got to like, yeah, nail that, and eh? Um, yeah. Not his favorite nickname, by the way. Um, he was kind of yeah. trying to from that, but uh, <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, I imagine between you know b- between us and the South African media, he's probably heard it you know three hundred times in the last yeah, sure. uh, month, <laughs> month and a half of his life. So. Yeah. What else oh, no, for us? oh, sorry, mate. What was that? I was just saying, oh, you got anything else for us here? On Scotty or in general? Just in general. Just in general. Oh, no, I'm just like, yeah, looking forward to it. It's good to, what, what did you guys, were you guys pretty excited by the appointments? Was it what you thought? Was it different or? What, I, it, yeah. 
Go it ahead. was about what what I thought. We we speculated privately a little bit, just you know, trying to tease out the clues, and um, it 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 lined up pretty well. I mean, we were just looking at you know countries that were currently in comp at a high high level, um, but we didn't certainly didn't pick anyone specifically out. Um, I like the profile. I like the combination of somebody who, uh, with Coach Rogers, has been around for a long time. Um, has that pastoral attitude, um, leads with care and valuing the people. Um, and Scott Matthew, who's, you know, a fairly recent but very successful convert from high-level player to coach and has kind of, as you said, worked his way up. Um, I think it seems like a really good combo. Uh, they talked about having so much chemistry and just having a rugby mindset and a game plan that gels that match that you know they didn't have conflict between ways that they think of the game and how to achieve winning but that they you know really were able to just be in concert about so many things um sounds sounds really positive um i'm i'm really excited yeah, I was thinking more along the lines of both of them would be New Zealanders. But when you uh, in last episode, you'd say they're from different countries. It kind of blew my mind. I was like, I have no idea who this is going to be then. Um, so, yeah, it looks good. Yeah, <laughs> no, it was it was cool because we obviously gave, you know, once you appoint the head coach, you give them say over their assistant coach. Right. So, you know, I was like, yeah, we, we'd said we know you've got a couple of options that you want to explore and let's interview them and let's interview a couple that we think would be a good fit. And then he got to the end of that and said, you know what, I think, I think this is the right guy for me, which was pretty cool. Um, and then, yeah, so you guys will be aware that, so Scott will be here for 12 months of the year um, with his uh, year round with his sweet family, which is a really cool. And like Dave was talking about a, a massive step forward and we're looking um, and chatting to a few people regarding being, a, we, we really want to utilize this opportunity where we've got two of, you know, whom we think are the best coaches in major league rugby and the, the most current and, and, um, yeah, skilled coaches and, and well-rounded coaches. And we, we want to use this opportunity to develop an up-and-coming uh, domestic coach. So we are um, currently looking to make a third hire. And James Willocks is still going to be involved in some capacity uh, as well, heading into next year, which will be cool and continue the for him to opportunity opportunity for him to continue to develop the good work he did this year, just being. Um, and we'll have a, an analyst I'm involved with the the crew as well and, and a couple more. So we, we are building out a really good performance program, um, which is good. Dave, That's now's fantastic. your chance. Dave, apply. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll dust off the old resume. Believe it or not, I actually have my – I got this in 2016. I, I have my head coaching sort of uh, certification. I've never used it before. I've never coached a day in my life. So, But I do have it. You got to be careful. That's how I ended up a coach. I got mine. And then about a month later, I was a coach. (laughs) (laughs) I hear you. All right, gents, this has been awesome. Um, TK, maybe we'll do it for round 14 um, after all the players are announced and we can kind of go through that. If if you don't mind, sir, it would be be greatly appreciative of that. Yeah. 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 And I absolutely, I'll look forward to, we'll get these um, announcements rolling. I think probably, if not this week, then definitely next. Um, they'll begin and, and obviously keep going for a long time, but that's all right. Yeah, I'll be busy making graphics of all of the announcements. So, yeah, yeah. exciting time. Yeah. It's great yeah. to be free, Jack, that's for sure. No, it certainly yeah. is. Great, great, great time to be a fan. I, I'm really excited, and um, I just think it's going to be a really fun, really positive offseason and uh, just a tremendous amount of energy building between now and the – the kickoff to the next season. 
Hell yeah. All right. Yeah, no, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. There, no, no, there is. I just agree with you. No, thanks for what you guys do. I really appreciate it. Like, you know, you guys are creating a, a heap of momentum and it's, that's what it's about. Momentum, energy, enjoying ourselves. That's why we do it. Eh? Yeah. It's, a, it's a fun sport. Yes, it is. All right. That, on that note, let's, uh, let's do a little huzzah here. Three, two, one. Huzzah. 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 Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Thanks. Huzzah, Rangers. This is Phil Harris again here at the Jacks Rangers Show. I'm joined, of course, with our co-host, Dave McVeigh. We've got a special guest this week, uh, episode 16, just full of awesome uh, characters here. This one is our newly hired assistant head coach or assistant coach, if you want to call him that, uh, Mike Rogers, all the way down in New Zealand. It is, uh, what, Monday morning there now? Yeah, Monday morning, 9 a.m. As I was saying, I just dropped the kids off at school, so... Great to get another weekend away and, and really look forward to having this chat with you guys. Perfect. So he's joining us from the future, Dave. I love it. That's <laughs> where we want to be. So sounds great. <laughs> so, uh, Mike, tell us about your origin story with rugby. How did you find rugby? Oh, man, I guess like every um, New Zealander, you grow up wanting to play for the All Blacks. And I was probably no different in that regard, except I didn't get very far on that journey as a player. Um, but yes, I've been involved with rugby for virtually my entire life and I, I was having a chat to someone the other day. I think my first um, my first memory of, of rugby was the 1987 World Cup, which was in New Zealand, obviously, and that's the, I can remember sitting around at my grandparents and watching the, um, watching the World Cup final when we, when we won, we beat France, I think it was, and um, you know, I think I would have been about seven at that time, so mate, it's been a, um, a long journey, but like, like you guys know, rugby is the game that uh, keeps on giving. So really fortunate to be in the position that I am in terms of being a professional coach. And man, I love it. It's awesome. Awesome. Give us a brief summary of your playing career and your coaching career so far. Um, so as, like I said, as a player, I never really played to any particular heights. Played like age grade representative stuff. Um, and then uh, I grew up in a small town in the middle of the North Island called Topo, uh, which is there's a really big lake there. Then I moved from there to Hamilton where I studied um, and played for the university club there. And so I spent, I think I played about 50-something games for the premier team then. And that was pretty cool back in those days because all super rugby players played in, in the local club competition. So we had a couple of guys in our team that went on to play for the All Blacks. And um, yeah, it just wasn't wasn't me. Uh, but that's all good and made I loved um yeah, I love my experience of, of playing at Varsity. And then I moved over here to uh, Tauranga in uh, 2005 and played uh, five years of uh, Premier Club Rugby for uh, my club, which was Tauranga Sports. And we had a really successful time over that period. And again, played with a lot of guys that played uh, rugby at a much higher level than me. And kind of hung up the boots at the end of uh, 2009. Um, virtually as soon as I turned 30, I always said I'd stop playing when I turned 30 and was fortunate enough to get involved with coaching the same team the following year and coached them for six years through to 2015. And then since then, I've been uh, coaching, uh, coached by plenty under-19s, which was actually an academy side, had some real good success there, won a national title, which was pretty awesome. And then um, a couple of years with the Bad Plenty Mighty 10 Cup team. And this year, I've uh, taken a little bit of a different direction. Um, kind of everything up until that point was really linear in terms of my coaching. So it was coach a good club side, 
pitched the under-19 team, which was kind of the next step up. Then moving to Maritian Cup, and um, for whatever reason, Bethany decided to go in a new direction, which was which was totally cool, and, and wish them all the best. And um, yeah, I've moved into coaching women's rugby this year, which has been the best thing that I've ever done in terms of my coaching. Coached the Chiefs women's team, and that was um, for the inaugural game of Super Rugby against the Blues. And uh, then I've been coaching the Waikato women's team uh, with James Simple over the last few months, and, and we're tracking pretty nicely. So, yeah, love love the, um, the different environments and really passionate about seeing where we can take things with the um, with the Free Jacks. Uh, really excited about the opportunity. Perfect. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you in the fold here. Um, tell us, why was it so attractive uh, for you to be joining the uh, MLR and the, and the Free Jacks? What made it so attractive to you? Um, a couple of things, really. So, uh, the first one is I've coached Joe Johnston for a number of years, so he he um, oh. was in my under nineteen team. That's fantastic. Um, Not to interrupt, but that's you're you're a lucky coach because I can only imagine that's a very rewarding experience. Yeah, the mechanic's a good man, <laughs> and um, so he was the captain of our under nineteen team in two thousand and seventeen, um, and we finished fifth at the national tournament that year with him as captain, and we probably missed a bit of an opportunity. Like I think we were good enough to finish second or third that year. Um, and then I've obviously coached him at two years at my team cup level and really looking forward to uh, reconnecting with him uh, over in Boston. So that's going to be cool. So that's probably the first thing that really piqued my interest was um, was Joe there. Uh, another guy who I've coached extensively with is Marty Burke and he's, he's the assistant coach of the New York team. Um, had a good chat to him about what his experiences were and, and um, he spoke really highly of the level of the competition and uh, the awesome opportunities around travel and stuff like that. And then I guess the third thing is really comes down to the, um, you know, the, the purpose of the Free Jacks, which isn't the same as some other teams in the comp where really they're just there to win. I think I think the cool thing that I like about the Free Jacks, which is consistent with kind of my ethos, is that it's about growing the game of rugby and inspiring people to get involved in the game. Mm-hmm. And yes, we want to win, but we're happy to take a little bit more time to get there. Um, to ensure that we get things right and we start developing some really good homegrown talent. And, and that's my background and that's that's what I love. So um, and that's why I'm coming to the Free Jacks. Very nice. Uh, speaking of the Free Jacks, what is your impression of the team? Have you been able to watch any of the matches or any highlights? Yeah, I have actually. So I've watched quite a lot of the games back from last season and, and definitely noticed that they improved you know, dramatically over the course of the season and finished really strong and probably only one win away from being in the in the playoffs. So or maybe a couple more bonus points along the way. Um, and so I really like that. Like, I, I, I know Ryan and his approach to the game's real tacky mindset, and I, you know, really, I really like that. Um, I've, I've had a really good chat to Scott about this, and, and we're, we're really united on our desire to improve our physicality. Um, not saying that it wasn't good. It was good, but it just wasn't great. And so uh, we want to be, be a team that you don't want to play against. So we're going to be really physical, um, we're still going to continue with a real attacking mindset, but on defence, we're going to be really physical. We're going to challenge breakdowns and and really make life difficult for opposition teams. So, you know, you know that they have to prepare really well physically when they come up against us because we're going to be taking teams on in and around the collision area. So uh, that's stuff that I love. And, and um, yeah, I look forward to uh, seeing whether we can uh, get that going pretty quickly. Kind of leads into the next question here that I have is, what adjectives would you describe uh, your previous teams that you've coached under? 
Oh, mate, the, the, the most important thing for me, well, it's kind of two things, really. There's one is that you're hardworking, but at the same time as being hardworking, you've got to be competitive. And so I think being competitive is, is the difference between having the capability of being a good player to the capability of being a great player. And, and Scott and I are really, um, are really connected on this around the importance of having a competitive environment, having players that are competitive so that they want to win. And um, we can really drive that behaviour through, you know, our training design and stuff and also on the people that we recruit. So, you know, we're in the middle of that at the moment and we're, we can, we're recruiting people who we know are going to be competitive. And um, so I'd say that would be that would be kind of the main one. And the second one, and we've been able to have a bit of uh, joy with us as well as just people that are prepared to go out there and play without fear. And so what I... What I really don't like, you can see it when you when you watch a team play if they're really afraid of making mistakes. And, and for me, that mindset is just ludicrous because I've never seen a game of rugby without mistakes. And on, in general, there's around 30 a game. And so why would we be worried about making one or two along the way? Because ultimately that's then a constraint and it would stop us from being able to express ourselves. So, you know, we want to be competitive and we want to be really physical and hardworking, but we also want to go out there and, and play without fear and and just understand that there'll be some mistakes along the way, but as long as we learn from them, um, you know, I think we'll, I think we'll be a pretty pretty good outfit. Agreed. You were talking about uh, Scott, who has now been appointed the third head coach in Free Jacks history. What is your impressions of Scott Matthew? Um, yeah, it's a bit of a funny one, eh? Because I didn't know Scott at all before this, and and we'd have both actually applied for the head coach role, and and he'd been successful in his application and I congratulate him for that and I reckon that's really cool um, and then he just kind of rang me up um, after that was kind of had kind of unfolded and we had a chat on the phone for about an hour and there was definitely a connection there straight away around similarities in terms of what we think is important but also it's just real evident that he's a real good man he cares about his players immensely he cares about the people that he works with in terms of the organization and, and the community as well and and what I really love about Scott's story is he coaches a team that doesn't have a lot of resources and they've been really successful. So they've, you know, they made the semi-finals again this year in the Kerry Cup, which is really similar to my background here with Bay Pliny. Um, we've never had the most resources and we've always punched above our weight and had some real, real success. So I think that is, is really evident. And I spoke to a couple of South African mates of mine who, who know Scott and they just speak volumes around the type of character that he is, the values that he holds. And, um, you know, the fact that he's a good, good, fun person to be around, which I think is um, really important because coaching rugby is a tough job sometimes, so you've got to make sure you have a lot of fun in the process, otherwise you can be a little bit lonely. Mm. Right. All right, Dave, take it away, my friend. Yeah, that's great to hear um, about uh, Coach Matty. Um, I encourage everybody to check out the Rugby Coaches Corner episode 95 that you kind of alluded to earlier, I think, um, where you give a long, long form interview about some of your coaching philosophies, um, your background and your, your recent coaching activity. I really enjoyed listening to it. And I thought it was a really good insight. We're not going to get that, you know, deep into those things <laughs> today. So people who want to check that out should. Um, one thing you talk about in that interview is that for you, coaching starts with care. And you just referenced it a little bit too about that being one of the strengths of the team um, that you guys are building. Um, uh, care is in demonstrating to your players and your staff that you genuinely 
care about them and creating that positive environment, right? That you're invested in their well-being, not just their performance. Um, can you tell FreeJax fans how you arrived at that determination that care was so important, that first colossal failure you talk a little bit about in the other uh, <laughs> podcast? I thought it was a phenomenal story. Oh, mate, there's a lot of them, eh? So I know we don't want this interview to go for an hour or whatever I spent with Andy, but... um, Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think um, as coaches, we all, we're all on a journey and, and, and no different than people or, or players. Um, we're, all on, we're all on some sort of journey and, and quite often it's the bad times that really force a change in direction. And, and you know, I talk about my favourite failures and there's probably a Greatest Hits album coming out. Um, there are a lot of them, but one that, oh, there's, a, there's a number, but one that always, well, the one that I guess was, um, the failure that led to me changing my approach was in 2012, I was coaching my club team, Tauranga Sports. The week before the semi-finals, we played another team. We beat them 78-3. And um, they were we were currently in first on the table and they were in fourth. And um, I was probably thinking that I was going to be the next coach of the All Blacks after that performance. Like it was almost flawless. You know, I talked before around these on average 30 errors a game or in that game, we might've made five and they might've made 25. Like it was... It was as close to as you'd get to a perfect performance, and you know, that was really cool. Uh, the following week, we played them in the semi-final, and we lost 13-12, and it was an absolute capitulation. It was like watching the All Blacks in the 2007 uh, World Cup quarterfinal, where we lost to France. It was the same thing. Like we did a lot of things that were just out of character. We didn't deal with pressure very well, and um, you know that was probably led to me. There was kind of two directions that I could head in. After that, was either quit or change. And I, chose, I chose the latter, so we conducted a bit of a review and what we found out was that the players didn't like each other particularly. They didn't really like my approach, which was really just about winning and, and not about caring for people. Uh, the whole environment was pretty toxic and um, you know, I, I had to look my, look in the mirror and actually understand that I was the, because I was the head coach, it was my responsibility to look after the people and create an environment that actually ensured that they were being looked after and and there was none of that. Like there was no care. It was just about winning. And and our club had been successful, and would, but I was just so desperate to continue that. I guess that legacy. But I forgot about the most important thing, and that is the people. It's the, you know, the a rugby club doesn't exist without people, and you got to look after them. And and I'd failed them, um, you know, really badly, and it, it still hurts now. And that's almost bloody ten years ago, you know. So. That was kind of the start of really looking into the culture side of things and in terms of how we can grow an environment. And it's taken a long time to come up with, not necessarily that care is first, because I think that, that you kind of always think that as a person, but it's now at the forefront of my mind. And it's so important to me that I reckon 95% of the conversations that I have with players are around their well-being as opposed to rugby. And then quite often, they'll then be driving the rugby conversations with me once we've got to a point that they actually trust me and know that I really care about them. Like, we don't need to be talking to people around their tackle technique 24-7, but if we really get to know them about, you know, what makes them tick, what have they got going on in their lives, what are their anxieties, when do they feel stress or pressure, you can't do that unless you really build a really strong relationship and they, they trust you. So as an example, last night I had one of our players message me saying that, you know, she really struggled with our camp on the weekend because she struggles with a bit of 
social anxiety and I hadn't really picked up on that which was probably a little bit of a failing for me but I was just so proud of her being able to reach out and tell me that and um, she struggled with the most recent lockdown and then coming back into a team environment and kind of not knowing where she fit into things and there weren't that many cues but man how awesome is it that she felt comfortable enough to share that you know I reckon that's um you know, that's when you know that you've got a really strong relationship with people and and um, like that's what it's all about. Like I, I love, I coach rugby because I'm a competitive person. I love winning, but more more important to me than that is I love people and I love the relationships that I have with people. And mate, I hope that's enough for you. You're going to just about going to make me cry soon, eh? <laughs> well, we appreciate it. And, uh, and a vulnerability that you have around those failures, um, you have a lot of humility in the, in the way that you talk about it. I and mean, I know it is, it is difficult that, you know, humility doesn't mean that it's easy. Uh, it just means that we're vulnerable. Right. Um, and how do you engender that among your players? I guess probably first is making yourself vulnerable. So they feel comfortable being vulnerable, but how do you think you get to the point where a player can reach out and say, you know, coach, I had a really tough time at camp. You know, I, I, I need some support around these things. Oh, I don't think there's like a silver bullet out and I think you've got to be prepared to take time. And so how I always think about it is, you know, you just have to be really consistent. And one thing I do is I have a routine whenever I turn up into our team environment, it's always about making sure that the first interaction with someone's positive. And sometimes that's really hard. You might be grumpy with poor performance or, you know, lack of effort at training or, or whatever, you know, ultimately people are fallible. So they're not very often they're not very consistent so number one for me is always make sure that first interaction with people is positive and then you kind of get on a bit of a roll and the second thing is just sitting down and having a chat to people so like and it doesn't have to be forced like oh what did you have for breakfast this morning like can, and sometimes just sitting down and listening to other people's their, their conversation in the team environment and just kind of being there um and then potentially asking a question or something um is where kind of the gold lies. So I think you can't force this stuff. It's not, it's not a process, you know what I mean? And um, I think as long as you're prepared to be patient on that and just really like invest your time and energy into people, there will be an opportunity at some point where they need you and you have to take it. And Wayne Smith says, never miss an opportunity to demonstrate that you care. And I reckon that's the critical point because at some point they'll open up and at that time, you've got to have the courage to actually step through, like I talk about, step through the step through the door together. Like you've got to be prepared to do that. And that takes a bit of courage, eh? Like, because sometimes it might be uncomfortable. It might not be what you expected. And um, if you miss that opportunity, you probably won't get another one, I reckon. So, and that's kind of how I go about things. But I want to really stress that it's authentic. It's not, oh, I follow a process and... and because of that, I can brainwash people or manipulate them or whatever. Like it's not like that, man. It's just about really trying to be a good person and and um, and helping people. And I certainly don't think that I'm an expert on this stuff, and it's something that we need to be working on all the time because I do miss it from time to time, man. Like you think, man, I wish that that interaction had gone a little bit differently. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I I love what you say around that and how there's no no formula or magic bullet. It's just that that actual genuine act of caring right that's what yeah, it is um so you'll be in charge of the free jacks forward squad and their defense right that's yeah, your that's right. 
area of expertise. Yep. Um, have you been a forwards or defense coach in the past, or is this a new role for you? And what do you think makes you um, an expert in these areas? What what do you what do you bring, or what are you looking forward to? Maybe you know, I was a tight head prop, so when I became a coach, I was like, boy, are these scrums going to be fun? You know, we're going to win them. We're going to be great. You know. Um, I certainly wouldn't say that I'm an expert on many things, eh? so let me just make sure that we're really clear on that. I'm, I think we're all learning as coaches, and um, man, I've learned more this year as a coach than I've learned in any other year, and it's almost like that every year. So every year I think you learn more. Once you realise that you don't actually know much, it's quite easy to learn lots, and and um, so I'm learning plenty along the way, and, and it's kind of almost like an exponential curve. But um, in terms of answering your question, I've coached forwards um, the whole way through my my, my coaching career I guess um, and really loved that stuff and my first introduction to Mighty Team Cup was as a scrum coach for the Steamers for a couple of years whilst I was also coaching the um, back in the under 19 team so I guess scrums is what I've cut my teeth on at a, at a professional coaching level um, but what I'm most passionate about is defence and, and, it's, and it's an area of the game that I think is really really critical so and and not, uh, how do I explain this? I don't want people to think about defence as being negative. And I reckon that's how it's how it's seen. And even the word defence means we're defending something, like we're defending our line. Like, that's not my mentality. Defence is attack. It's just with it. We just don't have the ball. But we're going to get it and then we're going to go and score a try. And that needs to be our, our philosophy. So my D philosophy, and I talk about this all the time, is to defend to score tries. And it means we bring aggressive line speed. We can test breakdowns. We go hard at teams, and we're not trying to necessarily stop them from scoring. Um, teams will still score tries against us, but we're just going to score a lot more than they're going to score, and and we're going to do that from being really, really, really positive with our with our defence. So, and that's an area that I think has got a huge opportunity to grow. And and if you have a look at world rugby, some real interesting stats coming out at the moment. So in the Six Nations this year, the top five teams either conceded 10 or 11 tries each. So there was no difference between Wales, who finished first, and England, I think, finished fifth. They both actually conceded 11 tries. The difference was Wales scored 20 in the competition, and 40% of those tries came from when they are on defence. France finished second, and they scored more tries from being on defence than the other teams. I think they scored 18 tries in the competition. So the one thing that makes a difference is how many tries you score. Like, if you ever look across any competition, the teams that score the most tries are always in the top four. Um, but it's how you go about scoring those tries, which is where the, where the real gold is. And, and I think the best opportunity to score at the moment in the game's on transition because the defences are good. So we defend real aggressively, we get the ball, and we try and score in one or two phases. And um, I really look, look forward to bringing that, I guess, that intent and, and direction to the Free Jacks and... Mate, the good thing about it is it's great for the crowd because you get a lot of line breaks and long-range tries. So people will um, probably think that we're a great attacking team and Scott's doing a good job, but I reckon it'll be the D coach that'll be doing a great job there. <laughs> Love to hear it. Uh, that's a great, great summary. And um, I agree that turnover attack is is both really you know juicy and productive, and it's a lot of fun, I think, as a player. That's when you really start linking up and, and get those long runs and, and everything. So look forward to seeing it yeah awesome 
All right. So um, just to get you, get you out of here pretty soon here, but I um, want to do a little bit of fun stuff before we get you out of here. Um, so give us your best Boston or American accent you can muster up. <laughs> Mate, you guys, this is an absolute stitch up, eh? I did, a, I did a, um, a chat the other day and had to do something stupid at the end as well. Is this like an American thing? or like? Uh, so we, we are big fans of stupid stuff. Yes. That is... You gotta, you gotta remember that New Zealand yeah. culture is we're really conservatives. We're not <laughs> even allowed. We're not even allowed to like smile after teams scores a try or anything, mate. So <laughs> yeah, there's a um, little. My of... kids are actually. Yeah, sorry. It's funny that you asked us silly, because, sure. Yeah, my kids um, asked me what is a bo- what does the Boston accents sound like, and um, we're actually well, I was doing a very poor job of it when we were talking about it yesterday. So. Um, yeah, I'll give it a go, but I, 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 yeah, we'll just see how we go. I think it's something like Boston. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. Not bad, not bad. Yeah. Yeah, pretty good. You'll have to work <laughs> on a, a full sentence for us uh, by the time the season starts. How about that? Yeah, okay. That's that's my work on, number one work on. <laughs> All right. Um, so next thing here is as performance, you know, performance director Tom Kindly has Tom Kindly, excuse me, mentioned your additional responsibilities of movers of player furniture. Has he discussed that with you and Scott that you can <laughs> move furniture um, as part of your obligations there at the club? Well, mate, he keeps telling me that I've got to arrive in December yep. um, and not have Christmas with my family. So this is an opportunity for me to push this one a little bit, and I and he hasn't really been able to give me a good reason. But I guess it's because we need to move the furniture. So thank you for enlightening me on that. You're welcome. That's probably what it is. <laughs> Got to get those couches up the three stairs, you know, yeah. those third floor apartments. Start working on those deadlifts now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So final thing here is one word association. So I'm going to say one or two words. And first thing that pops in your mind, one word, give me a response. Okay. Yep. So United States of America. BDE. Okay. M- <laughs> MLR. Throwing. Okay. Rugby. Life. All right. Free Jacks. Revolution. Ooh, yeah, I like that. Uh, New Zealand. Best country in the world. <laughs> That's more, more than, than one word. But... All right. Boston. Adventure. All right. Perfect. Well, Coach uh, Mike Rogers, we appreciate your time very much. This has been fantastic. We'll have to have you on later on down the road, but uh, thank you very much for doing this. Hey, guys, just want to thank you very much. Love all the stuff that you guys are doing to promote the game and um, keep up your good work. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, before we get you out of here, we like to say two words to exit the videos. Uh, Let's ride. So I'm going to say that in three Two, one. Let's ride. Let's, Let's ride. Huzzah, Rangers. This is Phil Harris again here at the Jacks Rangers Show. I'm, of course, your host, Phil Harris. I've got Dave McVeigh, our co-host. And we've got a huge guest this time around here for episode 16, the new, uh, newly appointed head coach of the New England Free Jacks, Scott Matthews with us. Scott, how the hell are you? All good, man. Hey, great, to, great to be on the podcast uh, today with you guys. Uh, looking forward to the chat, though. Awesome. Uh, tell us about your origin story with rugby. How did you find rugby? Gee, I think South Africa, it's a bit of a, it's a, bit of a religion out here. I think uh, when I was about five years old, you start with a little 
um, barefoot rugby as a, as a kid. Eh? So ever at that starts at school and you play with a club as well. So throughout the age groups, you pretty much just get involved with it uh, before you even know it. Eh? Very nice. Yeah. Give us a brief summary of your uh, professional playing career and also your coaching career so far. Yeah, sure. So um, rugby-wise, um, when I finished school, I headed up to uh, Pretoria to uh, do my four years at the, the Blue Bulls. I was um, fortunate enough at that time to play under Hanukkah Meyer. Uh, I think the, the Sabercats head coach now, but he was um, obviously Springbok coach. I mean, and we had a lot of success at that time there. I then moved to the Sharks, which was my hometown team in Durban, uh, where I was able to play three years for them, uh, which is really a rewarding time. I think to play for any, for any of your home, your home team is, is a big moment. Um, and then I went overseas. I, I did, I like the opportunities uh, to go overseas. I've got, you know, I had a British passport, so that was, that was quite fortunate. And I was able to play for Leeds for, for three years in the premiership. And I, and I spent the season at uh, sales sharks. Uh, it seems like all the South Africans end up going there, but um <laughs> Yeah, so I spent the season there, and then I finished up. I came back to South Africa. Um, I missed the sun a bit, so I uh, came back to the EP Kings, uh, which was in Port Elizabeth for my last two years. And um, I think in that time, I guess uh, at the EP Kings, I, did, I just started coaching quite a bit. You know, when you're playing and helping out, coach, uh, I kind of grew a bit of a love for that. You know, and I always felt that I would get into coaching at some stage. Um, and I actually positioned my, my alma mater, my school in, in Durban. It's a big traditional boys' high school of about 1,200 boys, um, probably about 25, 26 uh, rugby teams every Saturday if you go through all the age groups. Um, yeah, so I took over as director of rugby for, for the school there. Um, and I spent four years there, like putting instructions in place. And I coached the first team of, of the school. Um, my evenings are spent at uh, Durban Collegians, which is a um, one of the, the, the oldest uh, rugby clubs in in, um, in the country. So I, I spend my time there in the evenings because uh, you want to kind of get that balance of schoolboy. You want to you coach the, the senior teams too. So I did that. And uh, before long, man, uh, I think four years after that, I got a call up to go be the assistant coach of uh, obviously the Greek was, who's one of the Premier Division Curry Cup teams. And after a year, the head coach uh, moved on to uh, moved on to the Sharks, and I and I got offered the head coaching job, and that, that was two three years ago now. So, and now I'm and I'm at the Free Jacks. So uh, yeah, that that's kind of been my my story, uh, my pathway, I suppose, to to getting here. Very nice. Um, so you know now you've been hired as the Free Jacks head coach within the MLR league. Um, what made the MLR an attractive move for you? Look, man, I just, I just think there's, there's so much uh, scope uh, and, possi and, and possibility. I think the, the, the things that have been laid down now, the foundations, I think, over the last couple of years in the MLR is, is very encouraging. I mean, you're seeing uh, exponential growth. You're seeing really uh, top players and, and top coaches starting to get involved in the game over there. There's, there's, it's marketed really well. I, I, just, I just can't see... It not skyrocketing. I, I think there's just a, a, a massive capacity and for for potential and growth potential. So for me, that that just excites me. I mean, I, I'm I've got a bit of a pioneering spirit anyway, and I, I just uh, the opportunity to come to New England and and to be part of of something special like this is is, is really really kind of floats my boat. Eh? 
Awesome. Uh, just as a warning, when you get up here, uh, when are you, are you December, January? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm coming in the middle of winter today. Yeah, you better get a coat if you don't have one already. It, it gets cold, man. Very cold. Yeah, bad news about the sun in Boston. Yeah. yeah, that's as long as you guys have got indoor heating, because I'm stuck in the middle of um, middle of South Africa at the moment, and it and also gets pretty cold in winter. But there's no indoor heating, so when it, you just stay stay cold in your house too. So I think uh, first world country, eh? you can you can enjoy the indoors a bit there. Yeah, you can count on that. We have nice toasty heating systems, so we'll we'll get you warmed up. <laughs> so tell us about your first impression of the Free Jacks team. What do you think so far? No, look, I've I've watched a couple of games. Um, I still obviously just finished this, the the Curry Cup season about a week and a half ago. Mm -hmm. So um, obviously, my, a lot of my focus was there. But I, I have been able to sit down and watch three or four teams, three or four games of this. Look, I, I think they're really combative. It's something that I that I really like. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of guys with with work ethic. Um, I think that that's important. You know, I think you can do a lot with that, and you can you can work a lot with guys who want who want who work hard. You know, that they just got a, a massive scope to improve and get better. And so that's one thing that stood out for me: uh, collectiveness. Uh, that they were, you could see they were a team that played for each other. Um, and uh, there were some individual, you know, individual talents there. I mean, obviously we we're busy with the process of recruitment now and getting things ready for out for, for next season. But um, from 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 the majority of the squad that that were there, you know, I've I've been quite encouraged by, by what they show. You know, especially in in the fight. You know, I think that's that's what encourages me the most. You know. Yeah. You've used some words here to describe the current Free Jacks team. What adjectives would you describe uh, how your past teams have played? Adjectives. Look, I, I'm, I'm competitive, extremely competitive, um, work ethic, uh, a bit of dog, um, physicality. Uh, those are the type of things that that that, that ring true to me and, and ring true to my sides. I think innovative is, is also one that I, I would say is, is is key. I think we've always been uh, the teams that I've coached have always been looking for uh, small little advantages and little tricks and things that 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 kind of catch the opposition uh, unaware. Um, but uh, when you when you look at a side that I've coached, you you'll you'll speak about physicality, you'll speak about competitiveness, you'll speak about work rate. Um, and I think those are things that everyone wants to see. I think every any any free jack supporter sitting at home, you know, you can resonate with that because um, it's one of those things that 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 everyone uh, can achieve. You know, it's not just talent. You know, talent's talent, but uh, work ethic appeals to everyone because everyone's got the ability to enforce that you know yeah it's also very recognizable i think for new fans which there are a lot of in the united states people who really don't know rugby and are just tuning in um if you don't know the nuances you can still appreciate a really hard tackle you know when you see someone dominate someone in, in contact that's clear even for a brand new fan and i think it really offers something for new fans to latch onto and to start rooting for Agree. Oh, I agree. I think. I think also the any, the honest man who sits who sits watching a sport. I mean, I'm a massive sports fan. I, I just I live for that. If I see a team that's just bouncing around and is getting getting up quickly and getting off the line quickly and and just trying to and being as competitive in every single part of the game. I mean, that just appeal. I mean, what. There's nothing else that appeals to someone more than that, you know. Mm -hmm. Then you start adding, you know, 
being able to move the ball effectively and attack into space and, and, and those things kind of get layered onto that. But I think first and foremost, you, you, you resonate with the team with work rate and yeah. Absolutely. Um, the phrase, the giant killer was used twice in the official yeah. press release from the Free Jacks. Uh, is this a nickname that you embrace or kind of shy away from? No, I don't really shy away from much. I mean, uh, for me, uh, I think the media does their thing, and uh, I don't mind that. I mean, we, we as, as as the team, the Greek was now. I mean, we operated with a, an absolute minimum minimal budget compared to the teams we played against. I'm talking like one one eighth of a budget uh, oh. with half the amount of staff. So. Uh, yeah, we we pulled off some some big victories away from home, and and you know we, so yeah, I think that's something to be proud of. Uh, like when when teams can achieve that, uh, so yeah, I let it be what it may be, man. I, th I think when I get to, to the free jacks, I mean it's a new leaf turned over, it's a new chapter, I, I suppose, and we you know we got to start with something new and start building something new, you know. Perfect. Okay. Uh, last one for me for a little while. I'll let Dave take over in one second. What is your impressions of the first full-time paid Free Jacks assistant, Mike Rogers, who's going to be helping you out? Oh, I, I can't say enough about Mikey. I, um, he's a great man. He's, uh, he's, he's all for culture. He's got a, a really rich um, rugby background and successful rugby background. I think not just uh, in performance, but just dealing with people and uh, managing managing men, you know, he's uh, he we, I think we cut from the same cloth to be honest. We've had some, we've had some really good chats and, you know, we, we just find like the same, the same themes are popping up all the time uh, whether it's rugby related, whether it's, it's, it's culture related with, you know, these things are always, are always the same, similar things. So I, I think it's really a, a great match, and uh, I just can't wait to work with them, to learn from him. You know, I think I think that's that's going to be really cool. Awesome, Dave, take it over. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, like our previous coach Ryan Martin, you have a background that includes high school coaching and high school teaching. So, uh, a history teacher, if I have that correct, is that right? Yeah, history and English, huh? Uh, that's excellent man after my own heart um i'm an educator myself i work in elementary school oh, awesome, so man. uh how has that experience um working with uh young men just starting to find and hit the their you know peak athleticism help make you a better coach and what are you going to bring to the free jacks in that yeah i, th I look i think i think working in education is is, is vital I, I i think it's fundamental you know um you get, uh, I think, when you when you step up a, a level, when you go to, to amateur and professional, um, you're dealing with a lot with 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 ma management of culture and and you know really refining and getting the nuances and details right. But I think schoolboy uh, rugby and education really it's a different way. You know, you're just using a different vehicle of. Um, I suppose rugby is a, uh, a way to teach, you know, and I think in the classroom using English as a vehicle to teach, but ultimately everything boils down to, you know, can you make and can you help these men become better people, better characters, uh, richer, you, you know what I'm saying, whilst teaching them the subject or whilst teaching them rugby or whilst teaching them English or history. For me, it's all about the character that you are able to, developing them and, and help them grow and help them realize their potential you know so for me it just it just carries on from that you know if you take it from school which is you know you really got to 
put together fundamental building blocks. You, you have a structured uh, session if you were a teacher. And even if you're coaching at school, it's, everything would be exactly the same. But now you take that and apply it to professional, it just steps up a bit of a level in terms of the detail and, and the time that you have to execute that and these things in place. But I, I don't see any... Um, I just think it's just a, a it's a the pretty much the similar similar model, you know. Um, but you get more understanding, and uh, you you you're richer for it that way, you know. And you're able to then communicate better to the professional guys, uh, having had that background. That's yeah, personally for me, that's how I feel. And I think how that relates to free jacks. I think you just I think with Mark myself, you're getting guys who who understand the process of coaching, understand the process of education. You know, it doesn't happen overnight. Um, it happens through a variety of different means that different people learn in different ways. And I think having gone through that, you, you, it's, it's easier for me to identify um, players that uh, that guy learns a bit better like this. I need to have a chat with them one-on-one. He'll, this guy will catch on very quickly in a, in a team environment. So I think, I think that's important. And I think if you're communicating the right way to, to everyone, then uh you're just getting a clearer message across and, and your team are able to play with a lot clearer vision. And, and yeah. That's great. I know the squad last year was proud of their ability to learn and, and innovate rapidly. So it sounds like a really good match there um, where I, I think you'll find some eager players uh, hungry to learn. Um, last season, the Greek was the season that just ended had a lot of success as we talked a little bit about earlier against heavy hitting teams that, you know, had many times your budget, um, how do you prepare a, you know, a team that in the media is going to be portrayed like an underdog to take on, you know, a, a heavy hitting team like, you know, the Sharks or the Bulls? Look, I, I think a lot of the time as underdogs, you know, it's, it's, uh, you kind of put yourself in the corner, you know, you, and you build that, that fort around yourself in the corner. Um, and it's, with your back, you know, back to the wall, there's nowhere else to go. I mean, and that, that's the type of mentality that you create and the culture that you create, you know, it's, it's only us that's going to get us out of this, you know, it's only us that's going to be able to fight, uh, fight through this. So you can't rely on anyone else. You can't rely on the refs. You can't rely on any added help. You know, it's just us. So how hard you need to work then? How, uh, how, how quickly do you need to learn? How um, adaptable do you need to be then? If, We've got nothing going for, for us except us. And I think with that mentality and uh, you're able to really, um, you know, you can build that up in the media or whatever it is, but you, you, the most important thing is that you create the culture in the camp. And, that, and, that's, the, and that's the biggest thing for me, you know. Um, what happens outside after that is, you know, not too much of my, my concern, but if I can get the guys right in the room, then uh, that's the job done. Absolutely. Great. Um, am I correct that in this previous season, you had Eric de Jager on your Greek West squad? You yes, I, I, brought him in, I, I brought him in for the last um, five or six games. Eh? Yes, um, so. were, you, were you guys able to talk about the Free Jacks? Did that play into your decision to pursue this opportunity? Or is it just a happy coincidence? No, no, we we didn't chat about it. Um, yeah, probably more more coincidence. I look, we I think we spoke about it at the end of the campaign when it was done. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think uh, the prize then was all about it was all about you know the Greek quiz and what what we didn't we needed to do to be the best we could be. You know, so I didn't I didn't want any of that filtering in in any way. If you know what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I understand that absolutely. But yeah, we had we had some good we had a good chat after afterwards and. Um, 
Yeah, it was, it's, it's, it's great. Yeah, you know, he did really well for us over here and uh, he had a good season with the Free Jacks. So I really look forward to to his growth as well going forward. That's great. Yeah. He is, I, I am myself a former tight head prop. So he is definitely my favorite member of the squad. <laughs> nice, uh, tight heads don't always get a lot of fandom, but I, he's got he's got one over here. No, I'm a big fan of of, of Tate's that can that can scrum like him. So um, yeah, they've always been one of my favorites. Eh? <laughs> um, and then uh, is this going to be your first time living in the United States? Yes, um, it will be. You know, I've I've only been um, over to the states once. I was very fortunate. Uh, my my folks took me uh, to uh, took my myself and my sister went on a family holiday to Disney World for a week, and that oh, was fantastic. Yeah, that was the soul. I was about 13 then, and that was the last time I was in the States. Eh? So, yeah, really, really excited to, to you know, just be, you know, get involved with the Free Jacks, but also, you know, gee, get, you know, understand what life's like in America and see new things, see new places. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Boston, if you're interested in history as you are, Boston's a great place to be. So yeah. I'd be happy to yeah. give you any, any tips or tours if you're interested. I love, I love the history here. No, that's great, man. I look forward to that. You know, I've obviously done a bit of stuff, but to see every, every, all the the stuff firsthand, and um, I think that's that's going to be pretty cool. Eh? So that'll be that'll be great. I'll take you up on that. Awesome. Well, that's it for me. Um, thank you very much. I know Phil has a few more uh, things for you. Really appreciate your time. No, awesome, man. Thanks so much. All right, just to have a little bit more fun here at the end uh, portion. Um, just FYI. Uh, Boston is nothing like Disney World, so just just one of the <laughs> things are a little bit different in the, in the states uh, uh, than D- Disney World itself. But um, give us uh, your best Boston or American accent for us. <laughs> um, yeah, man, I, I just want to say that I'm very keen here to be be part of the Free Jacks and. Um, <laughs> Well, I just know is it all Boston? Even is, is that how the, the Bostonites yeah. say it? Bo- Boston, Boston, Boston. Almost okay. a W after the B, like Boston. <laughs> That's about it. I think maybe in a in a year's time, I think I'll have that a bit better. Eh? I'm usually a bit. I'm usually alright with accents. That was terrible. So, <laughs> yeah. well, our our town names are all awful. We took English town names and then we changed the way we say them. None of them make sense. It's a nightmare. Yeah. So, Boston. all right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, so it needs a little bit of work, but yeah, we'll we'll check back uh, towards the end of the season and see how it's going. <laughs> Not great. All right. So, performance director Tom Kindly has mentioned. Uh, has he mentioned your additional responsibilities of mover of player furniture to you yet? No, but I'm excited to to hear what this is about. <laughs> <laughs> you might want to start practice deadlifting right now if you haven't been in the gym. Uh, my, my days of lifting weights are over, eh? But uh, <laughs> my body needs a bit of work, eh? So I reckon uh, I reckon it might come in handy that day. Yeah, I believe the previous yeah, coach Ryan Martin ended up uh, helping some players carry, you know, couches and things up to the their shared apartments, um, and earned himself the nickname Muscle Man yes. out of it. Yeah, uh, I'm all in now. Eh? So <laughs> yeah. I imagine actually with, with your background, you're pretty familiar with that kind of environment, you know, where the club is, is kind of, uh, all hands on deck at a lot of times. Oh yeah, no, geez. We've been, we've been painting walls and laying down matting on floors here and you name it. So, uh, no, no, uh, no, no. Morris Lome famously last last season was building the lockers for the play, his fellow players because Brilliant. they just didn't have any. And he's like, okay, I'll, I'll get some wood and put them together. 
Yeah, I'm no I'm no handyman, but uh, I can lend a bit of scrum half muscle to the to the. <laughs> in fact, I'll probably stand back and direct the traffic. You know, yeah, <laughs> that's your, right. Your proper scrum off, eh? <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All right. So last thing we got here for you, coach, is one word association. So I'm going to say one word or a couple of words. The first thing that pops in your mind, one word. Just give me a response, okay? Cool. United States of America. Yankees. <laughs> uh oh. All right. Um, MLR. <laughs> rugby. Okay. The next one is rugby. Aggression. All right. Uh, free Jacks. Beer. I don't know why I think that. <laughs> just sounds like a beer name. I just I just I think. think of the New England up that RPA beer. It's on my mind now. So that's Jesus, great. Man, I, I think that's I need one of those pints. So. There's lots of it waiting for you here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> Uh, South Africa. Violent. <laughs> All right. And final one here is Boston. Beans. <laughs> All right. There you go. Very nice. Uh, this has been fantastic, Coach. We'll have to do it again sometime. Um, any final thoughts from you before we head out? No, man. I, I look, I'm just excited today. I, I can't wait to get over there and, and start this new journey. And I think also just Meet, meet, meet fans, meet supporters, meet guys that are involved with the, with the free jacks. I think that's important. They must, uh, it's not just uh, myself and Mikey and Tom, you know, you know, driving this thing. I think it's, it's all hands on deck. And I think everyone involved, that's, that, that's, that's, that's the big thing. And everyone's got a part to play. You know? So I think, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to meet the free jack community. Yeah. All right. Um, so final thing here, we like to say, uh, two th uh, two words when we jump off of here. So um, we'll say let's ride. One, two, three. Let's ride. Let's ride. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate it. Thank you, Coach. Had Thanks, a great time. Guys, awesome. Cheers, man. Cheers. All right, ladies and gents, I appreciate you hanging in there, Rangers. Let us know how we did with all three interviews. Send us any questions that you have as well on our social media pages, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We are all there under Jack's Rangers. The email address, as always, is jacksrangersshow at gmail.com. Send us an email. Let us know how we're doing. Next episode, I'm not really sure when that will come out. I guess it really all depends on when player announcements are made. I'd love to get Captain Josh Larson back on the podcast. And also we'll, we'll definitely have Tom back on at some point in the near future to go over player recruitment and retention of players once all of the roster moves have been announced. That'll be his fourth appearance in a row quite possibly for for tom kindly i'm sure he's sick of uh talking to us at this point but uh yeah we're all we're committed to the content here guys that's what it's all about we are free jacks fans first and foremost and um just really excited for the upcoming mlr 2022 season i'm sure you are as well like i said get in contact with us we'd love to hear from you at the jacks rangers show final thing here today in american revolutionary war history in north carolina my home state the British captured Governor Burke and 13 high-ranking Whig officials in Hillsborough, and that was in 1781. And final thing here, Revolutionary War quotes, there is nothing I have more at heart than the ease and security of every part of the country and its inhabitants. That was General George Washington in a letter to Connecticut Governor Trumbull 
That was December the 19th of 1778. Appreciate your time. As always, guys, give us a shout out, uh, share with a friend, let other Free Jacks fans know that this podcast exists, and we'll see you next time here on the Jacks Ranger Show. Huzzah!